Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, because Star Trek Discovery is on hiatus, we are actually going to be discussing the 2012 movie Looper, which was written and directed by, I don't know, some guy who's done nothing of worth and um, stars. <laughs> I had no idea it was Ryan Johnson when I picked it. The name came up and I was like, oh, Jen's never going to believe that. I didn't even realize the connection until you made that comment yeah. online because the name had been familiar when I saw it in, in the credits. And I was like, oh, that name like rings a bell for some reason. And then when you made that comment online, I was like, oh, I'll look. And then I was like, yep, yep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie also stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, and Emily Blunt. And Kate, do you want to give like an overview of the movie and maybe a little bit about what made you pick it? Uh, sure. Okay. Just in case people haven't seen it, this will give them an idea of what the movie's about. Right. So it's about some time travel assassins? No, because they don't travel in time. Okay. Assassins working for like a mob in New Orleans, who, or at least it was filmed in New Orleans, so I assume that's where it takes place. I was going to say, I didn't realize that was where it was set. That's where it was filmed. Um, And basically... In the future, time travel has been invented, but also, I mean, there's some plot holes here, but whatever. Apparently, it's also impossible to get rid of a dead body. So, evil guys in the future send people back in time to be shot and killed by these loopers who kill them, get paid, and dispose of the bodies. And this is Joseph Mm Gordon-Levitt. And then eventually... Um, you yourself get sent back to be killed so as to not leave a trail of, I don't know, assassins. Yeah. And then you get a much bigger pay when you kill yourself, and then you're out of the business, even though I don't see why you would have to stop killing people. Anyways, I guess it's up to you. And you are sort of retired from being a looper at that point, and then you, I don't know, you go on to live life with your whatever money you got from them. And you kind of know that you've got a fixed end point ahead of you. Yeah. And then this movie's sort of about, uh, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's self, who is Bruce Willis, comes back and goes on the run instead of waiting to be shot by himself. And then... And it's sort of about why he's on the run and what his plans are. And what is going on in the future. And yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an action on the run, lots of guns movie. Yes. And there were certain things that I wasn't 100% clear on. But anyways, we can get to that as we talk to the movie. Okay. Talk about the movie. Um, I think we'll stick the announcement for what we're watching next week at the end. And we will also... Uh, make sure we tweet it out. Uh, in brief, it's just gonna we're gonna watch a couple of Star Trek the original series episodes next week. But let's get into talking about the movie. All right. How did you feel the time travel was done? Because 
sometimes it's done really well and sometimes I want to burn the movie down for being dumb. Not, not yeah. I mean like in general, not necessarily this one. Yeah, yeah. I thought that they handled the time travel really well, actually. Um, one of the things that sometimes bothers me when there's time travel in a movie is that it's who controls it and who uses it sometimes is just never addressed. And sometimes that's fine. That's a valid plot point because of accidental time travel or different like supernatural phenomenon. But I actually mm-hmm. liked that in this one it was treated like, hey, we've invented this thing and we also realize how super dangerous this is. And so we made it illegal. And then, of course, they're not making it about the government. They're making it about those who would use it illegally. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that aspect of it. Uh, I enjoyed that. The things I wasn't clear on is it wasn't always clear if the loopers were time traveling or like, cause that's what I thought at first. I thought that they were sending like the assassin back in time as well. Oh no. But no, they're just given a time and a, well, I guess they have a set and, place. Yeah. Cause main dude always went to the same place and a, a live person is sent back to them. Yeah. Cause even at one point, the boss that's in the past that was sent into the past to, I guess, handle this end of the operation Mm -hmm. was pointing out how time travel messes with your mind. Yeah. And I I was like, are they trying to say that like these guys are traveling back and forth in time too? And that's anyway, uh, it was a little confusing. I think with that conversation and with the conversation that, um, I do not remember the main character's name. Joe. Right, yes, Joe. That Joe was having with himself in the diner, mm-hmm. where Bruce Willis was just like, no, we cannot talk about this. <laughs> I think that that was just being a little tongue-in-cheek about how whenever you talk about a time travel movie, invariably you get to, like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so let's get around this by saying it messes with your mind, and that's why we yeah, can't talk about he- it, and it'll be... Confusing. Yeah. yeah. He literally said, we can't start talking about this because otherwise we'll be sitting here for hours and we'll have straws diagrams and... <laughs> no, that's fair. The other thing that didn't make sense to me about this thing was that, okay, in the future, the reason they can't get rid of bodies is because there's trackers. Mm-hmm. So they know where the body goes and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But the authorities even though time travel is illegal, they have no mechanism for detecting it. And like when one just blinks out, wouldn't they go to that spot? And it looked like the time travel device that we briefly saw was like in a warehouse, like permanently fixed there. Mm -hmm. And so I was always like, wouldn't the authorities just like, oh, blink, someone's gone. Let's go there and look. I suspect it would be more like, or or my thinking was that you know, not everybody's being watched 24-7 because there's billions of people on the planet. Mm. Right? So they wouldn't have a a reason to look you up or unless you were missing. And I guess they wouldn't be recording everyone's signal the whole time either to backtrack yeah. where they disappeared either. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That explains that. Now, you never told me why you picked this movie. Well... If you recall, we were going mm-hmm. through a very long list of sci-fi movies and trying to yes. find one that you hadn't seen, mm-hmm. that I had seen, 
And this one was one of those. And I hadn't seen this one in a while. And I did not remember a lot of it. But I did remember it being kind of smart. Yeah, okay. So, and that was that was pretty much why I picked it. I'm, mm-hmm. I didn't remember I did- a lot of it, though. I'd forgotten the whole plot with the kid. Which uh, is, like, oh, the I- main thing in the movie. <laughs> And I'm glad you said that, Kate, because I was going to give you a little bit of grief for being like, hey, let's set up this plot that involves children about the same age as Jen's children being yeah, in mortal no, danger. I'd completely uh, forgotten. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. No, no, no. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't, uh, you know, and even, purposeful even thing. If, yeah, even if I'd remembered about Emily Blunt's kid, I had forgotten that he was, like, tracking down those other kids to kill them. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. <laughs> well, that's okay. The movie was smart. I will give you that. It didn't have, like, it wasn't a cheap action plot with lots of contrived action scenes of things blowing up and different things like that. Mm-hmm. I thought all of the actual, like, violent gun battle parts were plot-worthy and and well done and not too much over the top and like there was one that was over the top but i liked that it was kind of in the background and it wasn't like a Mm -hmm. main a main point in the movie it was kind of like well we have to give bruce willis a bruce willis scene exactly exactly and there's something else kind of like going on in the background that you're suspenseful about yeah and it just kind of helped you know fill that in and and give us that iconic bruce willis moment Mm -hmm. which he shined in as usual yeah how, are you a Bruce Willis fan? Not particularly, but I do enjoy a lot of his action movies, but like yeah. not because Bruce Willis is in them. Okay. Although like I don't go see a movie that has like I'm not, oh, we have to go see the new Bruce Willis movie. I'm just always like, oh, this movie looks interesting. Bruce Willis is in it. Cool. I think he's been in some good films. Like like you, I'm not going to like go out and seek out the next Bruce Willis movie just cuz it's got Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. But I think he does what he does well and he picks some really interesting films. Yeah. So, I I was even like the first time I saw it and then like again last night when I was watching it, I was impressed by how they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like Bruce Willis. Yeah, did they use a prosthetic? I honestly don't know. Or okay, it was like, but he sometimes he would have a look on his face that I was just like, oh, interesting. That you know, like it didn't, it didn't always I look am, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It was very interesting. I am nodding a lot. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I have a hunch. I didn't confirm this, but I told uh, one of my coworkers that I was going to be watching the movie. And she was, she's seen it, and she was like, yeah, that one was good. And she was like, oh, and did you know they used a prosthetic for, and then she was like, oh, never mind. That might spoil something for you. We'll talk about it next week. Okay, (laughs) so so there was some prosthetics involved? I think maybe there was some prosthetics, like, across his forehead. Because looking at his face in particular, Mm -hmm. I was like, that doesn't look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But I hadn't seen a lot of his movies, so not 100% sure. It it also didn't look like a prosthetic though, you know? Like it looked Oh yeah. It, it was just very, I don't know. I think I thought they did a very good job of making two actors who look nothing alike mm-hmm. believable that they were the same person just 30 years apart. Mhm. Mhm. 
Absolutely. And I liked that they never had them next to each other on screen very much. Just because I know Bruce Willis and I know his like frame and his bulk mm-hmm. is different than Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And if they'd had them trying to stand side by side too much, I feel like that would have been either having to push the special effects side to make it work. Or it would have pushed me out realizing that these aren't the same. And I mean, people get bulkier as they age. So mm-hmm. a little bit of that can be expected. But you know, I thought they did a really good job just of how it was shot and directed and and everything unfolded also i really liked the dynamic that they had together because they weren't i feel like a lot of time travel movies when you sort of meet up with yourself it's very easy to be like on the same side as yourself right or very understanding of yourself but Mm -hmm. these two were not on the same side they didn't understand each other which i actually don't think you would 30 years apart because and you've had completely different experiences and yeah and you're completely different people yeah like it's a little bit like a, a more gritty version of that if you could write a letter to your 16 year old self what would you say yeah it's like if you could go back in time and tell your previous assassin self who to kill <laughs> yeah and then the younger you totally doesn't understand why you want to do this. And it's like, no, dude, listen, I need my payout. I also really liked, I, I, I guess I didn't pick up on it last time, but at one point, Bruce Willis Joe calls uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Joe, mm-hmm. like, uh, selfish. And I actually think that the Bruce Willis Joe was the more selfish of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Or was acting incredibly selfishly. Well, I mean, the older Joe, he's trying to take down this um, big bad boss guy from the future. Yeah, but he was not willing to give up his own life for it. Like his own, like he, like uh, meeting his wife and that sort of thing. He was not willing to give that up, even to right. save her. Joe's character seemed to be motivated by the death of his wife. Which, mm-hmm. here's where we're going to get a little bit more into the feminist take on this. Which, did his wife even have a name? Because I no. think I blinked and missed it. Yeah, no, I don't think she had a name. Yeah, she may have a name in the credits, but, like, you, she's just a face. And even their, like, montage love story um, starts off with the classic, she doesn't like him, flips him off, and he ends up winning her over because, of course... She doesn't know that she actually loves him. And she just needs to be convinced of that. And then she doesn't like really get any lines. You just have this like montage-esque sort of storytelling of their love, which could work. Um, I liked a lot of what they did with like silence and the lack of dialogue for some of the storytelling. But it really didn't help us get any of her character... And she was just there basically to be fridged and die and give him motivation to try and rewrite his path. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's what he wants. He wants to go and sort of, like, undo this so that young Joe can presumably go and find her and live a happier life where she doesn't end up dying. Which is so odd to me. Like, if I were young Joe, I would... If everything had worked out how old Joe wanted this to work, like, I, I don't think that's how his life would have turned out. 
Yeah, then he's supposed to go and track her down, but like you're changing everything about the future. Yeah. Like you're you're changing the complete dynamic of it. So, yeah. Anyways. So from a feminist perspective, that was very flawed. Yes, it was. And I mean, he did like it was very flawed. Mm-hmm. On the plus side, I suppose. He did have some very good things to say about her and and like obviously knew that she was the better person in more and not just cuz she wasn't a killer but was just like although at the same time it was kind of like she took care of him i don't know well the movie in general mm-hmm. does not do a great job by women no it doesn't um, cuz in case you haven't noticed by our dialogue which has been been about joe and joe there's only really the two women oh i guess there's three there's three and like you could say there's like an invisible fourth woman because Joe is also influenced by his mother's abandonment. But what kind of roles do women play in this film? Well, actually mothers. Mothers or or his wife. No, there's also the stripper who is a mother. Yes. And that actually comes into a that it actually comes- has a big plot point. Yeah, but that's it. There's the women they party with, the strippers. And I feel like, was it Sarah? That's Emily Blunt's character, right? Sarah, yes. Yes, The boy calls her Sarah. Um, That's what her past life was like, too. She was a party girl. So that's it. That's all you've got. And you have the waitress in the restaurant who gets, like, a couple lines. And... She really just exists for that like payoff later though yeah absolutely even her name is contrived to work with the plot of the movie yeah um and none of the women interact with each other no they they don't even know each other so obviously does not pass the bechdel test no it does not no and the in the future even though your job as an assassin is you stand there with a gun, and it seems like it could be a gun of your choosing. Somebody blinks into existence in front of you, and you kill them, and then drag the body off. There are a number of women who could physically handle that task, yet we see zero women involved. Mm-hmm. Like, the only women that exist in relation with this crime organization that's in the future are the the girls in the club to party with and have sex with. And that's it. Yep. I didn't say it was a perfect movie. No, it's not. It it is not. And I'm not saying that it wasn't enjoyable and that it wasn't like in other respects a good movie. Um but it definitely has some some not so good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. And then one of the things you come to realize in the plot of this film is that this is a movie that's about the question of like a baby Hitler scenario. Yeah. How did you feel they handled that? Oh, um, I liked it. To explain a little bit more, um, basically... Old Joe has decided to kill the person who is the head of the crime organization in the future because he's 
this scary evil guy who took over basically the whole world and nobody really understands how. And so he tracks him down in present day, or he tracks down three possible young children who one of them is going to be this dude. And young Joe uh, steals one of the addresses from him and goes to meet him there in order to kill him because young Joe thinks he'll get his life back if he kills him. And that is, of course, Emily Blunt and her child. Mm-hmm. And I liked how they sort the the reveal about him. Mm-hmm. I kind of did, too. Yep. He has... Okay, so, like, in the future, um, some people are starting to develop telekinetic powers. And Sarah's kid, whose name is Sid, I believe. Yeah. He apparently has even more powers. And I do kind of like how that gets revealed. Mm -hmm. There's no explanation behind it whatsoever, though. And there is no indication that anyone else on the entire planet has that kind of skills or powers or things like that. I mean, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, it makes for a good movie. And I mean, there could be more people like that in the future he could be the first one or um and they don't necessarily ex well i mean he is pretty powerful he could pretty much like look at you and kill you Mm -hmm. so yeah in a nice way no not in a nice way at all um it made sense why he was such a feared person in the future because he has these powers so that made sense and it sort of made sense how he would end up there. And I liked the time travel element of it because there's that moment where Joe realizes that if he follows his instincts, young Joe realizes that like if he follows his instincts or like lets things unfold as they seem to be unfolding, mm-hmm. that it's just going to create this thing that they were trying to avoid. That his older self was yeah. trying to avoid. And his older self isn't realizing that he's actually could be starting the path for Rainmaker to be this violent criminal. Mm -hmm. And so Joe ends up making a sacrifice in order to um, change that. Mm -hmm. And I, I really liked that. Yeah. I liked that too. And and they did a good job setting it up as well. Cause there's like one scene way at the beginning when Joe's high on drugs and he's being around in his Miata and almost runs over a kid and screeches mm-hmm. to a halt. And they have this freeze moment where it's just like the kid staring at them and he's staring at the kid. And I knew right away, like, okay, that's something setting up something important. Yeah. And, and I liked his moment of like, when he realized who Sid was and his immediate reaction was to go and kill him. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as he saw him, he just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I liked that too. That was good. Cuz mm-hmm. that's exact I think I feel like that's exactly what would happen. Mm-hmm. And I also will give them credit like when Joe is going and tracking these kids down, it's affecting him. Yeah, um, he's not he's not happy about killing kids. No. No. Um so I do like that they are showing that it's not just like, you know, he's walking in and he's an assassin so he shoots him and walks away. It's like, no, no. This is very different from what he used to do. Um, so, okay, to lighten things up a little bit here, mm-hmm. would you shoot baby Hitler? 
Oh, oh, yeah, that's lightening things up. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a question people talk about. Um, I don't. I mean, part of me wants to say, like, yes, yes, I would. Uh, because, of course, you know, he was responsible for deaths of millions of people. Mm-hmm. But you also never know what other things could happen as a result of that that could cause the deaths of millions of people. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we'll go with yes. Take out the take out baby Hitler. Oh, you would. Yeah. Oh, I one hundred percent would not be able to. I mean, if my choice is to do it or not, and not like say another choice like maybe. Um, taking to some counseling, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, some diversity awareness training, maybe. Uh, no. It's like, it, it's like in this movie, <laughs> Sarah's not the best mom. <laughs> there was a moment when they're like fighting as she's drilling this young child over his multiplication tables. And I'm like, just let him think eight times three is 32. He's how old? Like, just let him think that. Like, I was like, you are turning this into the power struggle, lady. So part of me is like, okay, well, Joe stops, you know, this, this horrific act from happening. So he still has a loving mother, but maybe... Maybe the mother still needs additional supports from the community in order for Sid to really turn into a, a fine, upstanding human being. Well, I'm not 100% sold on this solving the the problem of him becoming a criminal down the road. Well, she can't send him to school. At least not till he's older. That's true. And I guess one of the reasons she stays isolated on the farm is because if authorities saw what he was doing... yeah. And I think that scene was to imply that he's very smart. Oh, yes. Yeah. But see, that's also my point. He is very smart. She knows he knows the answer. He is boundary pushing. And anyway, that's that's my mom hat. That's fair. And to be fair, like, she didn't want to be a mom. That's part of the whole issue as well. Is that, like, she had the baby, dropped him off on the farm with her sister... And then didn't come back until her sister died. And so... Until the baby killed her sister. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't laugh, but... Uh, it's funny. It's not. And he, it's not. <laughs> and he didn't even realize that she was his mom because he was raised by her sister. Yeah. So... I thought that kid was a really good actor. Yeah. It's, he was creepy sometimes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, he was. It actually reminded me a lot of that old movie, which I don't even know if you've seen. The Good Son? No, I've seen that, yeah. You've seen that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's got Elijah Wood in it. Of course I've seen it. Was that young Elijah Wood? Well, it was Macaulay I only remember it was Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, and then the, the cousin was Elijah Wood. Okay. My very first celebrity crush. <laughs> That's adorable. Yep. Um, some other things that I just thought were super well done in the movie. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the clocks? There were a lot of them, yes. They were entirely analog. Yeah. 
they did not I did not catch any digital time displays anywhere. And so it was just this nice visual reminder of, uh, you know, the idea of a time loop of time repeating itself. Yeah. I mean, Joe clearly had a thing for the past. Yeah. He and had for this, his own his own watch. Yeah, he had this old pocket watch. And he drives what would be, I don't know if it's a replica or it's a vintage Mazda Miata, but this is like the Mazda Miata circa the 1990s that he drives. And I know this because that was my dream car as a teen. <laughs> so as soon as it came on the screen, I just knew it from its lines and everything. I'm like, that's a Miata. <laughs> I'm like, why is he driving a Miata? And then I, they even make comments about his ties and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I did love how... Um, oh, I didn't actually pick up on that. They make comments about like the circular nature of a tie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked how other than his Miata and a couple of those like floating bikes, every other vehicle that I picked out in the movie was just like a messed up Honda. <laughs> Yeah, and several of them were, like, very, like, white, sort of very roundy, bubbly shapes to some of the vehicles. Sort of like uh, Jetsons yeah. style, but, like, realistic, not uh, not quite that cartoony. And so, I, yeah. I just enjoyed how it was either super futuristic or, you know, a 2012 model covered in mud. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. How did you did you like the ending? I think I did we like kind of talked ending. about it already, but yeah. Yeah. I did like the ending. I thought that they set up Joe's um young Joe's arc mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. And when he came to that moment of decision, I Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm never 100% happy when a movie doesn't have a happy ending, but I still thought it was very smart and, and yeah, and yeah, like well set up. Like, obviously, that's what would happen there. You know, it didn't feel contrived. That's right. And it wasn't the whole, like, because um, I mean, one of the ways this movie could have gone was where he and Sarah and Sid wind up living happily ever after on the farm where he can oversee Sid and help make sure he doesn't turn into a psychotic criminal. And while that would know. have been like a nice romancy, like happily ever after kind of ending. It wouldn't have it, felt right. No, not at all. And also, I don't know if Sid is the best. No, I don't know if Joe would be the best teacher to not turn Sid into a criminal. Yes. And I think he totally also realizes that about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like, he doesn't want the kid to repeat his path. Because they talk about how Joe came into the criminal organization. Yeah. And that's part of what makes him decide to do this and close the loop. Yeah. Um, One of the other things I really liked about what they did was how they showed the past self influencing the future self. Like, with how how old Joe would get young joe's memories or yeah like all of a sudden he'd be like having flashes of memory appear and they had it with the really really horrific example earlier in the movie where one of his co-workers gets sent his self back and he fails to close the loop and so they managed to get the old guy in 
by like removing body parts slowly. It was not slowly though. Not terribly slowly, no. And that he- was Oh, that was so oh, I don't like that oh. bit. I don't know why they wouldn't have done it slightly slower, because he had trouble getting there once he was, like, losing his legs and... Yeah, that's true. But, yeah. It's a brilliant way to do it, though, because... Yeah. It was smart, but... Yeah. It's very much sort of like uh, Back to the Future, where Marty's influencing things and his family photo is changing before his eyes. Right, but this man, like, you watch him lose fingers. Yes, yes. And have and them be, like, immediately face. scarred over and stuff. Mm-hmm. Creepy, but good creepy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Slightly creepier than Back to the Future. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I also enjoyed it again. I, like mm-hmm. I said, I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Which I guess was six years ago. Jeez. And actually, and I hadn't realized it was ryan johnson so that was interesting for me because i like ryan johnson's latest movie (laughs) does his latest movie do a better job with the representation of women a much much better job did he write it or just direct it i think he wrote it yeah yeah he did because he changed a well he didn't change well we can talk about that later (laughs) okay so what next should we talk about uh, what we're watching next week? Sure. Okay. So it's my turn to pick, and I am going to have Kate watch a couple episodes of the original series. I picked The Cage, which is the pilot, the original pilot that was filmed with Captain Pike, and basically the only other crew member there that we'll recognize is Spock. And I haven't actually seen The Cage, but I thought it would give us some nice context to do some speculating on how Star Trek Discovery's Season 2 might start out. And then... Okay, yeah, that'll be interesting. And then the other episode I've picked is Season 1, Episode 18, Arena. And there's several reasons I picked this one. This may be one of the most iconic Star Trek episodes. The Gorn featured in this episode was also featured in my early nightmares that kept me away from Star Trek in my early childhood. And I also think this is going to be a really good setup for the week after that when we watch Galaxy Quest. Okay. So Kate hasn't seen Galaxy Quest and... There's some callbacks to stuff like the arena, and I just thought it would be fun having some of the original series campy Star Trek right before she sees Galaxy Quest. It'll... Alright. So yeah. Now, Kate, do you have any recommendations this week? I'm sure I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I get... I mean, the only thing I can think of off the top... I, I swear I was thinking about this yesterday, and I had other stuff... Um, but the only thing that's springing to mind right now is if you get a chance, I do highly recommend the uh, national tour for Hamilton, which I saw earlier this week. It was very good. Um, tickets are expensive and difficult to get, but if you can, it was really good. Awesome. My recommendation is actually related, but I I wasn't thinking of you when I thought of it. Okay. Um, my recommendation 
would be to listen to some Broadway soundtracks. And it's just, that's the musical mood I've been in lately. So I've been listening to Wicked and my sister gave me her copy of Rent, Rent. which has been nice because I can totally hear Anthony rap singing uh, as I listen to the soundtrack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's my recommendation. Add some Broadway scores to your listening this week. I'm... You're... I could go on and on about Broadway, but that's, let's not do it. <laughs> we may get to hear Kate go on and on about Broadway in a future episode. Who knows? I've already decided what I'm talking about in those episodes, actually. I've been giving it some thought as well. Should Should we tell our listeners now about it or? Sure. I mean, we've we've just been kind of. um, One of the episodes that we're going to do during our hiatus is just one where basically an entire episode of recommendations, but we're going to get more in depth into the nerd things that we enjoy, Um, mostly because we always get off topic in talking about nerd things that we enjoy. So I thought, give us a chance to get it out of our system. Yes. So for those of you who enjoy that aspect of this ep- this podcast, you'll get an entire episode of just tangentially related nerd things. Yeah. Sometime in the future. I can't remember when that lands on our schedule. I think it's the episode after Galaxy Quest. Oh, okay. And we might do a few of them over the hiatus. Yeah. Because there's so many nerd things I could talk about. <laughs> yes. Yes, there are. Um, so I think that's it for yeah. this episode. I think it is also. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at a command of her own at gmail.com or at command of her own on Twitter. And we're on Instagram on instagram.com slash a command of her own. So if you have anything that you want to ask us about the episodes coming up, For the Cage, Arena, Galaxy Quest, general nerdy things we've mentioned that you would love to hear us talk more nerdily about, you can get in touch with us there. Also, I am starting up a Star Trek crossword puzzle that we can play along with on Twitter and Instagram. So check that out there. And then I've been Jen. I've been Caitlin. Bye. Bye. You, like, took it up an octave for the end. <laughs>